kodwa umuntu mawe wahlangana naye esigameni nesifana nalesi igazi nemizwa nakho konke okusemzimbeni kiyasho ah but uh, in a situation or an incident like that uh, when then you meet that person again uh, the blood uh, the feelings the body just tells now i'm getting a bit confused when you say the blood the feeling and the body just tells would you explain that a bit mungachaza nje lokho ngoba kunokungidida ke uma ukukhuluma ngegazi imizwa umzimba ngoba ngisho nje babu ukuthi sinama emotions into ege wafika endaweni ethile yenzeka kuwena especially of that magnitude khona into yenzeka yomzimbeni ngengwazi ukuyichaza ukuthi njani but khona into yenzeka nayo It could be coined the Sensomiwa Trial 2.0. A new judge has been introduced due to Judge Chifua Maomela being ill. As a result, the restart button has been pressed and the trial has started de novo. Judge Rata Mukhakeng spent the week making sure no time was wasted, putting the defense on the spot during cross-examination. This and more in this installment of Above the Law, the Sensomiwa Trial. I'd like to welcome you to another installment of our Twitter Spaces. My name is Komoto Mudise. It's time for us to um, have a conversation about uh, the Meiwa trial. I'd like to thank everyone who's returning to our Twitter Spaces um, this afternoon. Uh, thank you so much for coming back and joining us on this week's installment. If you're a first-time listener, you will not regret spending time with us this afternoon of course this is the opportunity that you have uh, to share your thoughts on the week that was in the Senzo Meiwa trial and also to enlighten us or maybe you know point out whatever you you have seen or observed that some of us may not have seen throughout this week in the trial however some of you may know that i am currently uh, away uh, on a scholarship and so my colleague who's been doing an excellent job on covering this trial this week nogukaini mdambo ewn reporter is joining us as she's been covering proceedings this week and i'm also joined by umpumelelo zigalala who is a legal analyst and he's going to be helping us make sense of the proceedings that were um or that happened throughout this week i'd like to thank both of them for joining us um so how the space works for uh, the people that are new uh, uh, as part of the above the law family is that we provide umpumelelo or whoever our legal expert is for that week an opportunity to give us a bit of analysis of what happened this week and once uh, we have established some of the important things that the legal expert points out then we open up for you to give your contribution so i see some of you have already requested to be speakers thank you i appreciate that but maybe park it for a bit we will provide you the opportunity to make your contributions a little later um in the show uh, so what we're going to be doing now is that we're going to be opening for umpumelelo zigalala and we're going to be asking a few questions nokukhanya mdambo of course as the reporter who has been covering this case throughout uh, week for EWN is also here to shed some light 
she's going to be telling us some of the things that happened this week in court and, um, you know, letting us know what may have happened when the cameras were not on. And you and I may not have necessarily been privy to what was happening inside court. I'm going to invite Umpumela Lozigalala to be a speaker. I hope that he will be able to um, accept my invite as he uh, time has come for him to make his contributions this afternoon. Good afternoon, Kumoto, and also good afternoon to Nokanya and all the viewers and the participants that have joined us today. Thank you so, so much. I, I really appreciate the time that you're spending with us this afternoon. It's been quite the week, and I think maybe we should start with just providing a bit of background for our listeners and all our spaces. Firstly, it is very, I mean, we all know now that this trial is starting de novo and we've established that that means starting afresh. It is the Latin word for starting afresh. We saw a new judge presiding over this matter this week after Judge Chifua Maumela, um, of course, ha- had to, had to well, could not return to preside over this matter. He was replaced by Judge Rata Mukwating, who um, came in from retirement, actually. Judge Maumela being unwell, uh, is the primary reason why he's no longer presiding over the Meiwa trial. Of course, we know that there are other issues that at play, but the reason that's been given by the NPA is that he's unwell. And so Judge Mukhwateng in the seat now, and I mean, I think many of you have opinions about Judge Mukhwateng and the work that he's been doing throughout this week. But maybe Mpumelelo, your initial um, view of this week, I mean, I heard someone saying, this trial is moving faster than it ever has since it started at the very beginning. This is the fastest in, ter- in terms of pace that we're seeing the Senzo Mihua trial move. Is this, is this, is this your sentiment as well? De- de- definitely. In, in, in fact, if you look at it, the amount of things that have been done in, 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 in this matter so long, it, it means that you have a judge who's saying, I want to get things moving as quickly as possible. I'm also going to place those who are stakeholders in this matter, meaning the litigants, the prosecution, the defense, and anyone that has to participate on terms. So I don't want them to ask frivolous questions. I don't want them to go on long-winded cross-examinations. I want them straight to the point, and I'm going to tell them in instances where they're misbehaving. And that includes the witnesses, by the way. If you heard the, the amount of questioning of saying, are you really sick? Please tell me where are you sick. Can I organize someone who can come in and maybe look at you from a medical perspective? It definitely seems that the judge is taking the stance of saying that I want to ensure that the rights of the accused in terms of the constitution of the trial starting and ending within the shortest reasonable amount of time is exactly what I'm going to do. Maybe let's first look at what it means when they say the trial starts de novo. And why would you do that when there's evidence that can be obtained? The judge or the sitting judge could have easily looked at uh, the recordings, listened uh, to all the recordings which are recorded within the court or even read about it and caught them back the witnesses one by one if there's instances of clarity. This process due to, to one of the elements which are looked at by the presiding officer, which is the demeanor of the accused. So, or even the, the person who's in, who's in the witness box to be precise. So the judge wants to know when you are, being, you are answering questions, are you evasive? Are you someone who's strong and assertive in the manner in which you're answering questions? Were you crying during that particular stage? Can anything be induced from that crying? Only that we want to see is, are you able to provide the truth in, in its proper manner? But most importantly, I want to be able to clarify any instances in which they, they could be hidden um, or where I feel that you're engaging in long-winded questions. I want to have clarity. So if I'm not going to have an opportunity to call back that witness 
and say to the witness, can you please come back and deal with these uh, matters as they are now? I want clarity in this instance. Then it means that I'm going to be able to preside in a proper manner. So it was definitely to ensure that the, the accused that are there are getting a fair trial as much as possible and everything is done according to plan. Now, what the judge did, which was very clever, was to then say, let's engage in a one-day pre-trial conference. I want to make sure that you're able to curtail issues as much as possible. In instances where there are no disagreements or there's no witness that needs to come in and prove what actually happened on the day, let's agree on that in writing and everything is going to be fine. We don't do that in a vacuum. We have Section 220 of the Criminal Procedure Act that dictates that admissions are allowed and they can be accepted by all the parties that are there. Now, one would wonder, what do we mean by admissions? For example, we can all admit there was a person that died on that day, so there's the deceased. There's no um, disagreement as to the identity of the deceased, that it was indeed Mr. Senzo Mayor. There's no disagreement that the intruders that came into the house, and if there is, then you must come up with your own version, which is going to dispute that. So it's those type of things that actually at the end of the day, they have to curtail and, and, and to to make the trial a much more shorter one than it would have been had it been that every, everything was, was disputed. So that's exactly what we engaged in. And also the first witness came into the witness box. Yeah. Do, do you get the sense? I mean, I think it may be tempting for for uh, a, maybe a pessimist <laughs> to think that the judge is playing to the gallery, so to speak. It's almost as though he knows that South Africans are really um, annoyed, concerned, upset about the time that it's taken for this trial to get underway and even the delays within the trial. And it seems as though he's addressing the time issue a lot. For example, with issues around tea, we know that tea time is standard procedure in many uh, uh, courts. Mm. You know, judges take tea all the time. Mm. He's decided, He's. we've heard him say things like, um, there's no tea in Pretoria. No tea in my court, you know. Mm. Um, we know we've heard him uh, even with uh, uh, Uzandi Kumalo, who's the witness that's currently on the stand. We know this week that she fell ill, and usually, you know, when a witness falls ill once, the 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 court, you know, can be lenient and provide her an opportunity to go. Maybe a second, third time there would be examination, but he seems to be ready to, you know, um, call an examiner, someone to come and examine her really quickly. It, can this be? Interpreted as playing to the uh, uh, to the gallery, really? Oh, well, I would say maybe maybe partly, but not on on the majority. That's exactly what uh, the presiding officer is meant to do. You are there to time management the proceedings as they are. In fact, in the norms and standards, they are standard times in which a judge or a presiding officer, even a magistrate in that case, is supposed to be in court presiding over matters. So, in instances where there are delays, you're supposed to record and say what delays are those. Could those delays have been avoided? And if so, why didn't you avoid them? Now, there are also instances in which, for example, at the height of cross-examination or when you are nearer to the end of your the witness, the witness giving her, her evidence, if you are going to break the flow for the information which was flowing, then would mother, rather much sacrifice the tea break than to sacrifice everything else or maybe to start the trial uh, again 30 minutes down the line after we've had our tea. So... It's, it's those dicey situations in which, but it, it all must be done within consensus, for example, when it comes to time management with the court officials that are there, because for them, they're employed. It's like some, someone saying, or employee saying, you're not going to take tea, there's no tea break in my company. It doesn't work that way. You are going to uh, create huge problems if you, if you do that at a later stage. But he does seem to be a bit, I wouldn't say obsessed, but too focused on time management and also on saying, um, 
why don't waste time answering questions or giving giving me submissions which are not relevant to this matter. The danger with that, though, is that you may find at a later stage um, a number, if, if ever this child would ever took will go on appeal, depending on who loses. One of the things that are going to be raised is that we had a presiding officer that stifled me from being able to present my, my client's case or the accused case or even the state's case. Had we been given time to explain this matter further and deal with these particular issues, taking into account what other witnesses have said, would have been a- able to perfectly ventilate this particular matter and it could have led either to a conviction or it could have led to an acquittal. But, but for the intervention of the judge and the stoppages and the interventions which are being done out of the interest of saving time, here we find ourselves having to file an appeal as we're doing now. Look, Kanya, I want to bring you in here because you've been covering the trial this week. And I was saying to you that, you know, while there are reporters and journalists that may have necessarily, you know, had been covering the trial from the very beginning, you have what I believe is the blessing of fresh eyes. You've come into this trial this week um, and because it is a fresh trial and you are covering this trial for the first time, you're not sitting there, I imagine, trying to compare notes. Just tell me from your view as a reporter that's been covering the trial this week for the very first time, what is the mood in the courtroom? What are you getting from what you're seeing around you? Before the cameras come on and the trial starts, what has the courtroom really felt like this week? It's, it's a very interesting, Komoto, because, again, uh, you know, as you've correctly pointed out, fresh eyes. You know, the perspective is very different to some of the legacy reporters um, that I'm sitting in court with. And so, for me, a lot of the, the dynamics that I'm seeing are playing themselves out for the first time. To me, even though uh, these are dynamics that may already be pre-existing between, uh, you know, the accused and, and the counsel, the counsel and uh, the judge, the judge and the accused and so on. Uh, but I think to start off with, on, on Monday, I think everyone came in with high anticipation, particularly because, um, you know, we weren't quite sure about where the proceedings would go on, whether or not there'd be a request for a postponement, who the first witness would be, um, you, you know, and so there was that, that high anticipation and the high energy uh, was quickly uh, also brought in by uh, Judge Rata Mokwatleng, because when he came in, he had the same sort of energy about, let's get the show on the road. And as much as Mpumalela points out, that, uh, you know, there's, a, there's an advantage and disadvantage about the, the, the persistence of pointing out the time and wanting the show to get on the road because it is a second time, um, but, but also just seeing how the judge is still very meticulous about how, um, you know, how the proce- how, how proceedings are, um, you know, undertaken and still sticking to the letter of the law and so on, even though he expresses, uh, you know, his enthusiasm about getting the show on the road. In terms of um, the accused, interestingly, the, the, the five men that's, that are sitting on the bench accused of this crime, for me at least, from, from where I, from, from how I look at them, there, there's a bit of a, um, a despondency and a, and a bit of, I don't want to say disinterest, but I mean, again, they, they've done this before. Um, there's nothing new here. Um, even though they, they, they insist that, you know, they're, they're not privy to the crime, they weren't part of the crime, um, you know, and, and so for them, it, it just appears to be this dragged out uh, process. Um, I think all but one are just going through the motions, and, and the one that doesn't seem to be going through the motions, at least, is Umuzis Mia, who, uh, you know, during proce- uh, proceedings appears to be paying a lot of attention to detail, small detail, minute detail, Komoto, about 
um, you know, he'll, he'll flag to his counsel when he hears errors in small things like the color of a car that was been being driven, the color of a sweater that was worn on the day of, of the crime, um, you know, those very small details. So uh, I think on that front, th- there was enthusiasm from the judge, um, despondency from the accused. Um, those are so, somewhat the dynamics that we've seen play out uh, throughout the week. And, and I think that's been, um, you know, a, a mixed bag of, of energy when it comes to how every every. Um, party within this trial has approached uh, the proceedings, Khamoto. And we know, I mean, uh, that it's starting de novo, so this is a complete restart. We're hitting the restart button. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there is a temptation, I believe, on, you know, parts, on all parts, parts of the, on the part of the council as well, to kind of refer to what has happened in the past. That's the sense I'm getting. So it's almost as though, yes, we're starting again, but, you know, in the cross-examination from time to time, there is that itch to kind of refer back, you know, to what you said when you were on the stand the first time around. Are you feeling like, um, you know, this isn't uh, a, a, a completely new trial? You sitting there, do you feel like you are compromised in any way? Do you feel like, oh, man, I'm not sure what they mean by that because I hadn't covered that or I hadn't heard that? Or do you feel like as a reporter covering this trial now, this is a completely new trial and I've missed no time on this. I think there's a bit of both, Khomoto. I think, um, you know, firstly, because I've, I've followed it, even though I haven't covered it, I've followed it quite attentively. One, because the coverage from EWN, and I am being biased, the coverage from EWN has been stellar so far. And so it's, it's hard to miss, um, you know, that sort of coverage. But also out of human interest from, you, you know, just the side of a consumer, someone who just consumes consumes news regularly, uh, you know, followed the case um, from from inception up until, you know, the the, the end of the previous trial. So um, I do think it makes for an interesting um, time now when you're able to sort of compare notes and think, well, that's interesting. I don't recall um, there ever being a time when this was mentioned or that's interesting. Uh, You know, the, the how I understood it was said the last time slightly differs um, to what I'm hearing now. The, t- the tone might be slightly different and so on. But also on the flip side, Komoto, because there are finer details to the case that we might not have been privy to. There's a lot that happens, a lot of arguments that happen within the court. Uh, the proceedings are very long. They're drawn out. The proceedings start from 10 and on a good day will end at four o'clock um, if there aren't any requests for, for shorter adjournments and so on. And so there's a lot that from a viewer perspective or from, from a perspective of being a consumer that you'll miss because not, not all of the, of, of, of the smaller details are covered or not all of the smaller details um, you'll get to hear of. And so I think on, 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 from that perspective, um, it, it has been a fresh trial. Um, again, coming in with you know, no, not, no, no intent and no intricate details uh, makes for very interesting details. From my perspective, I do think it's a, fa- it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a fresh start. Um, there hasn't been a lot of reference to uh, the old trial by any of the, uh, of the, of the council that have been um, either cross-examining or leading the testimony on the side of the states. There hasn't been a lot of, uh, you know, reference to what previously you said, or do you recall previously testifying to this effect? Um, you know, it, it, the lawyers themselves, you know, seem to have gotten 
the gist of, you know, not making reference to and starting afresh and, and treating it as if it hadn't been said uh, before. Um, but on the side of Zandi Kumalo, she, she will often say, um, and I don't, I, I don't know if it's a matter of her, um, perhaps, I don't want to say having not caught up to it being a new trial, but I mean, just her emphasis about, but do you remember that I said, do you remember that I said, and the constant reference to what she may have previously said and what she may have pre- previously testified. So on that front, I think that's how it differs. The lawyers are, uh, you know, fully briefed on on it being a new case. They're treating it as such, as is the the judge as well, making no reference at all um, to, to, to what we previously have heard. I think the differences and the comparisons and and that sort of treatment comes in when, when the reporters themselves, the legacy reporters, are the ones that will, you know, make notes about, well, do you remember? Remember the last time there was sort of a, a different atmosphere and a different mood, and she said this differently the last time. She's missing this sort of detail this time around. I don't remember her saying, uh, you know, going into this much detail, or yeah. she's a bit more scant on detail this time compared to what it was um, last time around. Yeah, I love that you call them legacy reporters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to be having um, one of the legacy reporters really um, shed some light on how he. He's been interpreting the week that was Sipokekana um, for the SABC. He's been covering this trial from the very beginning as well. And I know that he has an eye for finer detail. But I want to come back to you, Bumelelo. I mean, we're hearing Nokanya say, um, you know, there hasn't been a lot of reference or referring by counsel to the previous trial. But that doesn't mean they cannot refer to it, um, can they, Bumelelo? Uh, my understanding is they can refer to it, especially because it was said under oath on record in court. Is that correct? It def- definitely is. Uh, in fact, we like to use a term of saying the truth is the truth is the truth. So no matter where you say it under a statement which is written before the police, where you stand it, we say it under cross-examination within the first round, you must also be able to say the very same thing when you're being cross-examined the second time. It may be, though, that you're going to say it in another manner. It's like saying that a person has died or a person has departed. It's the, basically, it's the same thing. It's just the manner that you've said it is different. So what we are looking for from the side of legal practitioners who are doing cross-examination are deep inconsistencies which are going to take place. So anything which is material, uh, a material inconsistency, we are going to uh, to dwell on that. Anything which does not fit in with the elements of the crime which, that favors you because we are, we are going to get a, a not guilty conviction at the end of the day or a not guilty verdict, that's, that's what you are going to stick on. So whatever which was stated earlier, definitely it can be used now. It's just that you have to make sure that you are able to, to channel it in a proper manner. But one thing in which you then do as a, as a legal practitioner is that once you get into a trial, you sort of try and understand what type of, what type of a, a, a presiding officer you are dealing with. Now, you can see with this, this current judge that he's not interested in the frivolous, minor, minute details which may be inconsistent. He wants the hardcore stuff. So that's what you are going to concentrate on. Anything which is inconsistent, which is hardcore, has the basis of being, of being able to come back and proving your case. That is what you are going to deal with. I anticipate that when we come back this week, in fact, tomorrow, one of the legal practitioners, I think, for so accused number four and five, they are going to concentrate on things and saying that my client was not there, my client, this is, my, my, my client was not in within the vicinity, my client cannot be linked to this particular matter. Because this is what the judge has been saying. He's, he's saying, there's no one who's coming to me and saying that this person is, is, is not telling the truth. He actually went in another manner or 
that I was not there on that particular thing. All that you are simply doing is regurgitating what she has done and finding small loopholes, which at the end of the day are not going to really going to assist you. So he wants the hardcore material stuff that can be inconsistent or that is inconsistent, and then maybe he will find in your favor. Thank you so much for that. I am coming to that because I have I found some beautiful quotes from Judge Ratsa from Friday, and I think that that really summarized the week that was very, very well. But before we come into that, I'm going to invite Sipokekana to uh, become a speaker as well, because he, as one of the reporters, and he's for the SABC, but I've been covering this uh, trial from the beginning, really would have that view about the difference in atmosphere, what has changed now, how the trial is actually moving, what progress we are making, and whether there have been any material differences in what um, the Zandi Kumalo has said. Of course, Uzandi Kumalo is one of the people who were present when Senzumiwa was killed at uh, her home, her and her sister's home um, in Fos Loras. And so she returned to the witness stand this week. If you did not know, she was back on the witness stand this week. Um, and she actually was the last witness to take the stand last um, in the previous trial. And so you you know, she had to restart her um, her testimony, and we've heard her this week even being cross-examined. I must say, I've been covering this trial as well from the very beginning, and it has been moving incredibly fast, much faster than we've seen since the very beginning of the trial last year. We're already on cross-examination. I actually thought that we would even complete cross-examination um, last week, and then she's going to be re-examined, and we'll be on to the next uh, witness. This is Above the Law, the Senzo Meiwa trial. I'm also going to invite all of you to... Um, uh, request to be speakers right now or of course use the chat box uh, that many of you love using this is your opportunity to ask any questions your opportunity to make any comments what has stood out for you this week i know many of you have a lot to say about the new judge um but what are the main things that have stood out for uh, for you this week the highlights from this week in the central mayor trial i am certain that they have been uh, many highlights throughout the week as we've seen this trial starting de novo. We know that the witnesses may come in any order, so we don't know who's going to be coming after Zandi Kumalo, but the court is currently hearing evidence from Uzandi Kumalo. And uh, she said very interesting things. She's spoken about the relationship that Senzo Meiwa had with Kelly Kumalo. I mean, we heard, um, you know, the, the, there's been a, um, a sense from the, the defense lawyers. They've been trying to say, really, it was unhappy in that relationship and, and things were not going well. And they're trying to link that to the murder of Senzo Meiwa. But a clear line of how they're linking the, the alleged discontentment in the relationship and the death has not been drawn. Usi Pokekana is a SABC reporter and he's a speaker now joining us also. Welcome to Above the Law, the Senzo Meiwa trial, Sipo. I think maybe you can start with whether there have been any material differences in Zandi Kumalo's statements this time compared to the last time uh, that she was on the witness stand. And I ask you this question because I know that you have got an eye or an ear for the finer details. Has there been anything materially different from her testimony? So um, I'm not sure if uh, it would make any material difference, uh, but uh, obviously there's been uh, those um, those little things where she's now saying that 
um, the two intruders um, came in uh, almost at the same time. Um, there was one thing that uh, I immediately picked up, which uh, was uh, in contradiction with what was what was said previously in the previous trial under Chifiwa Maumela, uh, where we understood the gunman to have been the first man to enter that house. And um, later on, there was then the tallest uh, alleged uh, second intruder who came in uh, moments later or who was then uh, seen moments later. So this week, what we have then picked up was that, according to her, um, they almost came in at the same time. Uh, the first intruder who was uh, carrying a gun came in immediately followed by the taller one who was wearing a hoodie. But I am not sure uh, to what extent um, that would have uh, a material effect or material bearing on, on, on the whole case. And the other thing that also emerged, and I think this was quite, quite important, was um, during her first testimony uh, the previous time, she never indicated at all or made any insinuations that any of the five guys there could have been one of the intruders who carried a gun on that evening. However, this week, uh, she did insinuate uh, that one of them could actually be when she said that um, we do not know uh, how uh, some of these guys looked like um, eight years ago. We do not know whether they had uh, dreadlocks on. We do not know how their complexion was. Um, and all, all those things, and saying that uh, she had her own suspicions, but she could not, uh, based on those suspicions, uh, point out who she thinks could be the gunman. And I think those are some of the things that uh, perhaps are the inconsistencies that I think um, really, really stood out for me. And, and her demeanor? You know, the first time around, um, she seemed rather uh, fearful, almost very timid. Um, you know, she, I mean, we know that the witness yeah. stand is very intimidating. Yeah. Um, but my sense is that mm. she's become really emboldened. She yeah. um, is now, I mean, almost there is a hostility. And we've seen this with many of the witnesses, really, where mm. when they are being crossed, when, they, when there's examination in chief, they are forthcoming and they want to give evidence and then they are cross-examined and there's a complete shift. But it yeah. seems she's a lot more confident, even during her examination. She's very confident. She's familiar yeah. with the space. She knows what she's talking about. And she's, she's almost, I mean, there were even some cheeky bits this week. Yeah. Her saying, you know, I don't want to miss my hairstyle when she was asked yeah. to demonstrate what the, with the hoodie. She's become rather emboldened. Is that correct? Yeah, no, she, she has definitely come across uh, a lot more confident than the previous time. Of course, she has had her moments where she she um, she started sobbing and um, proceedings had to be adjourned for a while for um, comfort breaks. But uh, in general, she has uh, come across a lot more confident than the previous time. Uh, I think for me, uh, perhaps what also stood out this time around, and maybe um, that, that, that also contributed to her, her comfort. Um, I, I think it is uh, the issue uh, with the defense, which uh, the judge also uh, picked up on. I think uh, the previous time, um, the previous time uh, we, we, had, um, we had a defense that 
had a particular standpoint on what could have happened in that house. And perhaps uh, that might have taken a little bit, which was different this time around, uh, as uh, the judge did point out and asked a very pertinent question to say, what is this case about? What are we discussing? Uh, because what we saw uh, during cross-examination was uh, the the defense, uh, the, those counsels, Sipo Ramosipili and advocate uh, Charles Menisi, focusing on um, what the judge perhaps described as issues that were not going to really um, uh, have any material bearing on on, 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 on the case, um, whatever that they were uh, bringing up was not necessarily contradicting what the state case is, which is the fact that two intruders enter the house, which is the, um, the, um, the uh, Zandi's uh, statement as well. His her case is that uh, there were two intruders that came into the house. And what we saw, um, what the judge is saying at the same time is that w whether whether Tumelo uh, Majala could have then smoked within the yard or outside the yard is immaterial. Whether um, yeah. uh, can have gone to the to the to the to the spaza shop to buy a soup or a cold drink is immaterial. Um, the fact of the matter is that people came into the house and we saw the two councils stand up. None of them actually challenged that. None of them put any different possible version. And I think that uh, might, also, might have also contributed to her being uh, a lot more confident on the stand. Yeah, I see that that is the direction that uh, both you and Pumelelo, and I'm going to invite Lokaya for us to take that direction because really, I think that was the highlight of this week. Um, you know, uh, Judge Ratamukwatsung questioning really what exactly is the version of events according to you? And, you know, of course, speaking to the defense lawyers, right? And I've yeah. got some quotes from him that I think um, really, for me, resonated. I mean, it was at the point where advocate Zetuna Lungumalo, who's representing accused number four, um, he was busy with cross-examination and he was asking about some of the, the, the minor details, uh, the number of shots fired, the shot that was fired when she was in the bathroom compared to one when she was, um, you know, uh, still present there before she ran into the bathroom, present on the scene, I should say, or in the living room. Um, he was questioning about how in a different statement he had, uh, Zandi Kumalo, I should say, had detailed uh, about two shots and not three. And all of a sudden she's speaking about three. And then Judge Mukhateng really interjected there saying, what are you actually disputing? Are you disputing that a gun was fired? That one shot was fired in the kitchen and another in the bedroom? How does this materially affect the witness's evidence? As I am listening, there is no dispute on whether they were intruders. Maybe the identity of the intruders. That shots were fired and fighting, it's common cause. And I think at the point where Judge Mukhatling said that, it put the defense lawyers on the spot because they now had the opportunity to present their own or the version of events according to their clients. And it was interesting, I'm going to invite you, Bumelelo, at, at this point. It was interesting to hear how initially my sense was that they were very clear that there were no intruders that entered the house. In the initial trial, the resounding theme in the cross-examination was that there were no intruders. The truth is the person that killed Meiwa was inside the house. 
But on Friday, when Judge Mukhwateng asked these questions, at least two of the lawyers, that is Advocate Amnesi and Attorney Sipora Musabili, both said they don't know what happened there. All they know is that their clients were not involved and they were not on the scene. It's interesting to hear that, Mpumalela. I mean, can the judge ask that, you know, or is he jumping the gun? I'm seeing a comment here. Was it proper for the judge to make those comments about the line of questioning? Is the judge jumping the gun here um, where he's expecting them to make their their case so early in the trial? Not, not necessarily. Let's remember that after every single witness that is there and after you are done with the cross-examination or the purpose of cross-examination is putting your client's case to the witness, which is why you use the famous words of saying that I put it to you that this is what happened on the day. Now, the mistake that many individuals would then do, which I'm not saying by any case they've done it in this case, is to ask or dispute every single fact or witness that is there, even a witness that does not affect or does not even touch your, your, the, the, your, your client. So if your line of events, or your line of questioning or your, your evidence is you are not there on the day, certainly you're not going to know whether they were intruders, yes or no. So unless they are speaking about things which are placing your, your client in the dock, I think in the crime scene, I think in this case it should only accuse number two. He's the only person whose legal report would have been able to stand up and, and spend a bit of time in terms of the cross-examination because their client has been placed at the scene. For all the others, it does not matter what this this client, this witness is saying because she does not touch on them. In instances where you, your client is touched on, there's evidence which is led which then links your client and you need to dispute that. It's only then in which you are then, you are then going to come in. Why do you do that? Because at the end of the day, you have to come up with an alternative version of what has been presented to the court at that moment. So the alternative version here would be there was no one there. You are making a mistake. You have lied or you have shown inconsistency from day one uh, in placing certain individuals that are there. And even if the individuals that are there, she says, certainly not my client because my client is going to state or will provide an alibi. This is what has happened or this is where they, they, they were on that particular date. And evidence will be led later that they were chilling in some other place and not at the place in which you are saying they were in. So the judge in this case may have sort of bent the rules a bit in terms of saying or alerting to them to, to, to say, you know, what I'm interested to know, which uh, or something which you can dispute what this witness is saying, is if you provide an alibi, not what you're telling me now. It's, it's essentially something which can be viewed as being a bit improper, but it's not something that was clearly outlawed or a judge is not allowed to, 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 to state. Maybe at the end, after all of them has presented their evidence, in the leading questions or in the in the clarification question, the judge could have uh, come to that conclusion. Or, as most presiding, presiding officers would do, in the judgment stage, then they would say, when I was listening, there was no individual that asked a question or disputed the evidence which was provided by, by witness number one. On that basis, I see that uh, evidence is credible and can be accepted, and it, it was part and parcel of the evidence which was evaluated here. But again, the judge was sort of giving them signs of saying that this is the type of presiding officer that I am. I want hardcore facts. I want things which are inconsistent. Highlight those to me, but make sure that those inconsistencies are material. Anything which is immaterial, I'm not going to consider. In your cross-examination, just get to that point, and then I'll be satisfied and maybe find in your favor. No, Kanya, I want to ask you, I mean, you were sitting there listening throughout this week and, and you were listening to the cross-examination. At any point, did the, did the defense lawyers at any point present an alternative 
um, you know, a, a theory uh, of what may have happened on that night that Mayweather was killed, or was it merely just poking holes in the 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 the, the, the version that's been pre- presented by Zandile Kumar? Yeah, interestingly, Homoto, I think the one person who may have been able to somewhat try to provide an alternative um, to, to the story that Zandi Kumale tells about two intruders coming into the house while the other seven or so people were happily in the house, you know, chuckling, watching TV, may have been, and Sipo will, will correct me if, um, if, if my recollection is incorrect, but the counsel for the fourth accused, Zitulele Ngumalo, may have uh, been the one to do that. I think his line of questioning on Thursday before uh, Judge Mukhatling intercepted and you know, may, gave them somewhat of a schooling about how uh, cross-examination should be done, his line of questioning, he had set up Zandi so that she describes the appearance of one of the intruders in the house. So the second and um, the second intruder, the tall, slim, um, slightly darker male uh, intruder who didn't have the gun on him. That's the, that, that was the focus of um, the, the attorney's um, cross-examination of Zandi. After having her clarify and repeat, even though it, at that point it sounded redundant because all the other counsel as well had focused so much on those details, even though it sounded redundant, Zitulele uh, Ngumalo focused on that and, and had her re-describe the second intruder um, again and again and again. Once he had done that, what he then says is he brings Longwe, into, Longwe Twala into the picture, uh, Zandi Kumalo's former boyfriend, was a boyfriend at the time, brings Longwe into the picture and says, well, then explain to me how Longwe, you know, played into this entire, um, into this entire scenario. At which point did you call Longwe? When did he arrive? How long had he spent in the house uh, before the intruders came? Was it two hours, two and a half? Was it three hours? Um, you know, what was he wearing? What did he look like? What does Longwe look like? Explain to me what, uh, what Longwe looks like. But the questioning was... Um, using the template of her description of the second intruder earlier. So he says to Zandile, is Longwe tall? She responds, yes. Um, Is he slim? Does he have a beard, um, you know, around his, uh, all around his face? Does he wear hats often? At any point, did he have dreadlocks? Um, You know, those sort of questions. What does he generally wear? Is he a person who sort of wears sweaters or otherwise? Um, You know, what sort of hats does he wear? Uh, And so on. And so, at least from where I was sitting, um, was that the attorney was placing Longwe in in a position where he might have then looked like the intruder or might have looked like the person who, who, who either pulled the trigger or is the person who you know, might have been responsible for the shooting at the end of the day. He wasn't, um, you know, direct in how he said it, but at least the line of questioning for me uh, raised that question and gave me the sense that he was trying to position Longwe in that position. And I, I, I may be wrong about it being uh, Zitulele, but uh, Sipo, you'll, you'll assist me there if, I, if, if I'm incorrect. But that was my recollection. And I thought that was very interesting. Um, and that happened just before the judge interjected, uh, you know, and, and, and expressing some frustration about uh, the redundant line of questioning and so on, and whether it's a question of him having to have been a bit more 
explicit in what he was trying to prove by asking Zandi about Longwe and Longwe's appearance and Longwe's arrival and, and departure and disappearance somewhere in between, um, you know, th that entire story. That's a different story, but that was my sense. And, and, and for me, that was very interesting that he, that he played it out like that. You are listening to Above the Law, the Sengo Meiwa trial. This is where we take the opportunity to look back at the week that was in the Meiwa trial. Whenever the trial is in session, the trial um, started de novo. I keep saying we pressed the restart button in this trial on Monday following Judge Chifua Maumela having to be excused due to ill health. A new judge is presiding over the matter. That is Judge uh, Rata Mukwateng, retired Judge Rata Mukwateng. He is now presiding over this matter. I'm inviting you to make your contributions. Thank you so much for tuning in. Squire, I see you. I'm going to accept your request to be a speaker. Um, however, before you make your contribution, Squire, I want Osipo to comment on what Nokanya is saying because the sense that I'm getting here is that the, the, the defense lawyers do have an alternative theory of what may have happened, but they keep tiptoeing around it. No one is direct to say, this is exactly what we believe happened on that day. And that is because they cannot say what, what may have happened, um, you know, uh, because their own, they would, their clients were not there. <laughs> but also, you know, it's interesting to see how initially they were very, very brave and bold to make these submissions in the previous trial to say the person that killed Meiwa was in this house and all of a sudden they now are tiptoeing, they are shying around this. Could it be that their view on what may have happened has changed? I totally agree with Nokanya there. Um, there was uh, that moment where um, uh, Zitulele uh, Numalo uh, did make those references uh, about the description of the second intruder, uh, using that as a template uh, perhaps to describe uh, uh, long way and try to perhaps say um, when you are describing this so-called second intruder are you by any chance uh, could it be that you are actually describing long way here and we we had him uh, move towards in towards uh, I mean in that direction we we had him move in that direction uh, before he was then interrupted and I'm, I'm, I'm thinking uh, tomorrow he will come uh, maybe a little bit more prepared uh, and um, pick up from where he left off on Friday. And also, um, I'd advocate uh, Charles Munisi for accused number three. There was a point as well where he uh, quoted um, uh, uh, Mr. Thorpe, uh, who is uh, Senzo Meiwa's brother-in-law. Um, there is a statement, uh, even in the previous trial, it did come across, uh, it, did, it did come through where where the a statement by Shope where he mentions the fact that he received a call from Kelly Kumalo at some point and a call that call then uh, was cut and he had to then call uh, to Melomadala, who was uh, also one of the people who were in the house the, mo the night that uh, Senzo Meiwa was shot and killed. Uh, and uh, in that statement in the previous trial, it was mentioned that Shope had made mention of the fact that during that conversation with uh, Tumelo Madala, Tumelo had told him that Longwe Tuala had killed, had shot uh, Senzo 
by mistake when he tried to intervene and separate separate uh, 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 Zandile Kumalo and uh, Longwe, who were fighting at the time, and so we had uh, we had as uh, uh, advocate Nisi touch on that. Um, it would seem that he perhaps quoted a wrong statement, which was then challenged by the state to say the statement you are referring to has nothing to that effect. So you so w- what happened is that at that po- point in time, it. it it sounded as if that uh, advocate uh, advocate Nisi was then moving towards direction towards that version to say perhaps there was no intruder that entered the house. The person that uh, might have pulled tr- the trigger was one of the people who who was in the house. It could have been longer, according to some of the statements that uh, had been uh, deposed. So we, so those are the things, and as you say, they are just tiptoeing around that version. Uh, I'm not sure why that is. And uh, when he was then asked, uh, uh, this is uh, Advocate Nisi, uh, eventually by uh, the judge, are you disputing that uh, they were intruders? Um, he's, and and when, when Judge uh, Rata Mukhaken uh, was asking, what, what is this case about? What are we talking about? What, what is your version? And, 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 and I thought uh, Nisi would then perhaps grab the opportunity to say, um, it is our version that there were no intruders based on that line of questioning, based on that statement that he had tried to put on record, which he eventually did withdraw. Uh, I thought he was going to grab that moment to say, but this is our version. Uh, but in fact, he said uh, at the time, uh, it could have been two, it could have been a hundred. We do not know. Uh, basically, still not disputing the fact that there could have been uh, intruders, uh, which then uh, goes back to the issue uh, being uh, the argument around uh, identity. Uh, that um, yes, perhaps it is common cause that there were two, in- there were intruders. Uh, it, it's now just a question of who actually entered the house. Yeah, I felt the same. I felt, you know, it's very clear that you you do believe that there were no intruders. You've said this before. Why are you shying away from saying it now when you are being asked by a new judge? All right, we seem to have lost some of our speakers. I saw Squire. We lost you there. Uh, you can request to become a speaker again, Squire. I saw Lepola also requesting to be a speaker. We lost you there as well. Just request again and I will accept you. Vuyo, the mic is yours. You can unmute yourself and make your contribution. Um, yeah, I was uh, just my contribution is that I was a bit disappointed in council. I think they didn't really put Zandi under pressure last week. Um, I remember at some point she admitted the fact that he was using her blood and her emotions to identify the lawyers for the defense. They didn't really put um, the witness under pressure. Um, at some point, I remember her being asked that how would she identify the suspect who had a gun if she was to meet him in the road and she just basically said she would use her blood and her emotions which was probably an admission that she really does not really know what the suspects look like so i thought they would really 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 impress her but uh, we look forward to this week and hope that it will be much much better thank you very much Thank you so much. Yeah, that is the sense that I also got uh, not a lot of pressure from um, the defense attorneys this week. Um, You know, I I was really expecting them, especially at the point where 
Sipora Mosebele, the lawyer for accused number one and two, brought up the interview that um, that Zandi Kumalo did with uh, ENCA. I really was expecting him to use that that interview, um, you know, to, to really really probe the version that is being brought here, particularly around identifying accused number two, that is Bongani um, Tanzi. I was expecting more from the defence, or at least from Ramos Sibile at that point. But I also was left um, a little disappointed uh, around the, the, the questioning and the cross-examination that was being conducted. But thank you so much for that contribution, Vuyo. I'm seeing more comments uh, in the comments side. Someone, Vike Lady here, saying, can someone uh, please explain the issue to the two hours on the SMSs? Um, and I think that the, you're making reference, Vike Lady, to the time that was used by uh, advocates Zitulele Ngumalo on the SMSs, the reading of the SMSs. Tell me if I'm wrong. Sipo, no kanya, let's go into that very quickly. I mean, we heard the SMSs being read and being um, used really in court to show, um, you know, the, the sense that there was a lot that was going on behind the scenes, the, the feelings that Kelly Kumalo was expressing, the annoyance that she was expressing, it seemed that the defense was trying to use these SMSs to draw some sort of a narrative or to paint a picture. Um, however, again, I didn't feel like we came to a point uh, in terms of these SMSs. Nokanya, did you feel the same or do you feel that the SMSs um, worked in the defense's case? Again, Komoto, I think they were very implicit in how they were they were making these points. The the issue about the SMSs, I think, from my understanding, was just to corroborate the the different version of accounts that suggested that because there were there were lovers quarrels within you, you know within this group of friends that this is what led to the death of Senzo Meiwa. On the one side, we had um, that account that said uh, Senzo Meiwa was shot trying to split. Um, Uzandi Kumalo, who was fighting with Longwe Twala at the time. And during that tussle, a gun went off and he was accidentally shot. And so he brings it, my understanding at least, he brings in these SMSs or the... um, the issue about firstly using the TV interview with ENCA, the issue about there being some tension between Zandi Kumalo and Longwe Twala at the time. And she quickly dismissed that and said, well, you know, as is with any couple, there are ups and there are downs. There are days that aren't uh, as good. But at at the at, at the at the time of this incident, Longwen and I were perfectly fine. We were getting along uh, just fine, uh, you know, to the extent that I'd even invite him to my mother's home. If things were bad between us, or there were, you know, there was any bad blood between us, I wouldn't have gone as far as inviting him over to my mother's home. Um, and then the second part, on the other side, the rift, trying to prove that there it may have been, um, you know, the the, the killing of Senzo Meiwa may have been. A contract killing, and these are versions. This is common cause now, uh, Homoto. These are these are com- this is common cause, and you know that version about it being a contract killing, um, you know, and trying to 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 paint a picture where things weren't as lovey-dovey between um, Kelly Kumalo now as well as uh, Senzo Meiwa, and trying to to place the friction between those uh, those two couples. And I think that was the point. Again, I don't think it was explicit enough, uh, you know, in in how he the, how he used those text messages. Uh, and again, it may have it may 
very well be that he was getting to that point um, to say, well, the reason why I'm bringing the, te- the issue of the text message and the, and, the, and the lovers' quarrels and the tiffs between these two couples is for a certain reason. He may, he may have still been getting to that before he was interjected. But to respond about the time lag about the, the text message, I think it was something that the state quickly cleared up. Um, uh, the attorney at the time, uh, Zitulela, I think it was, Ngomalo, who had a lot of questions about why she says the texts were sent at a certain time between her and Longwe and Longwe and the others uh, compared to what was read on the record previously. And the response by the, by the state attorney or advocate George Baloy was that that, was, that is something that needs to, it's a technical issue um, and, and there's no way that Zandi Kumalo would be able to account for why there was a time difference in how she says the text message played out um, compared to what the record uh, from the lead investigator says, this is when the text message, um, text message, messages, sorry, were sent and not sent, uh, and were read and not read. So that that gap of two hours, um, as far as I understand, was cleared up by Advocate Baloi saying that that's a technical issue about. Uh, you know, this is this is how it's read onto the record when it comes to text messages. So I don't think there was anything particularly sinister about that time gap. Uh, you know, just a technical issue. But in my understanding, the the reason why those text messages and the TV interview, um, mm-hmm. you know, were used uh, in in cross examination was to create an image that nothing at all in this group of friends was rosy. And after all, it could have been um, that it was a it was a planned hit versus a botched robbery. That's, that, that was at least my reading of it. I love that you say could have been, right? Because that's that's the sense that I'm getting, Pumelelo, that a lot of these versions that are being presented by the defense are really in the air, but we haven't gotten to the point where they are pinned down, where we're sitting now with a solid alternative version, where they're coming out saying, our, our our clients were not on the scene. We know that they, you know, they had nothing to do with this. But instead, this is what we believe has actually happened. And I'm worried that when a line of, of cross examination comes out in that way, it then leaves the court really. There is no clear line as to what exactly we are arguing here. You know, there is the the there seems to be a lot of smoke in the air. This is what could have happened. This is what may have happened. Maybe there was um, a, a lag in the in the SMSs. Maybe you know, um, Longwe Twala may have been the, the 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 alleged intruder. Maybe there was fighting between Longwe Twala and Senzo Meiwa. You know, we even heard the last time about how there was friction because Zandi Kumalo allegedly may have been romantically involved with Meiwa himself. But all of this is very much in the air, is it not? Definitely. I think now we're now feeling what the judge is feeling when he's sitting there. Because he, he, the judge is saying, you know, you're throwing all these versions which are not taken to, to, the, to the end. They're not being complete. A complete picture or complete version is not put to the witness so that the witness is able to answer. I've been hearing a whole two hours of SMSs going to and fro, and from those, there's nothing that has came to me detailing the version, the version of the accused that they are there. By the way, the version is going to be different, so you are going to find five versions that are there, and then once you have done that, we then move on to the lack of motive, which which the, the accused, of course, have, have got to be able to prove, and well as well as other inconsistencies that may may have been there. So this is what the judge is going to look for in order to make the story. Um, or the version of the accused much more believable. If if it's consistent, 
if it's able to pass the test of all the witnesses which are going to be there, if it's able to provide a reasonable or manner which is much more probable in the manner in the sequence of events that would have occurred, and then the judge is going to find in their favor. But if there's nothing that comes out of that, the version or of, of of the of the witness now is the one that the court is going to believe because the court is going to say there's nothing which is disputed effectively in a more comprehensive manner what this this witness has actually stated. We are all human beings at the end of the day. We can't re- recollect things to the T, so we can't be exact. However, if the majority of the things are consistent and the manner in which things have occurred can be believed or there's no direct evidence that contradicts that, we have no other uh, choice as the court than to, to believe what the witnesses actually say. And that's really at the heart of this week's proceedings. It's the fact that um, you know, the version presented by Uzandi Kumalo stands. It remains unchallenged as it stands right now. Everything that she has said on that witness stand remains unchallenged. And so I wonder whether the, the defense this week will be going towards challenging some of the things that she says. Particularly, I was expecting that to come from the defense attorney for the man that has been pointed out, that is Obongani Dandi. It is then your duty as the defense attorney to... Um, discredit the witness that is on the stand that is compromising your client and I didn't, I'm not sure I got that from uh, from Sipo Ramosebele some of the comments here, someone saying defense lawyers are hungry, greed will be the death of this case uh, defense lawyers are only looking at the money they are getting, the longer they drag the more they get paid, I'm sure Bumelelo, you don't really like that comment <laughs> it must be a, a, a comment that's uh, your least favorite but that's the sense that I've been seeing a lot also on uh, Raicho on Twitter around how there's been a dragging of this case and the, uh, the, the, assert, the allegation really that the dragging is due to defense lawyers wanting more and more money. Mulbati here is saying, what was, it, uh, what was it proper for the judge to make the comments about the line of questioning? We've covered that, Mulbati. We've actually spoken about that intensively. And Yezo and Yezo are saying, that judge, we are papa. That would mean he is forward. Um, the way he spoke to defense about them not denying that there were no intruders, couldn't they discuss that in the chambers? Maybe no, they cannot discuss that in the chambers. And guess what? It is an intricate part of this trial because the judge must put on record when he asks whether or not what the version of events that has been presented here by the defense is. It must be on record. It cannot be in the chambers or behind the scenes. We are drawing to a close um, of this week's installment. Someone here saying, Advocates in Sholoro said we must wait for her this week. That's the Geneli. I think the defense will come better prepared this week and going forward. I keep hearing this word prepared and I want to wrap up, but before I do, I want to ask you, Sipo, the sense that you got this week, did you get that the defense was prepared adequately for proceedings? The word uh, or the words better prepared keep popping up. Do you believe that there may have been a preparation challenge um, uh, for the defense this week? Or really was it just the effects of starting a new trial where we've been seeing them really being slow in building up their cases? 
um, I, I, I also got that sense, Kumoto, that there was a sense of ill-preparedness uh, from the councils, um, especially where um, you have a situation where the judge has to remind you that uh, there is a version that you have not actually put forward. That to me speaks to ill preparedness um like i said uh, the issue with with uh, advocate nisi we previously heard about uh, that uh, those comments from shope and that is uh, senzume was uh, brother in law that there was that communication immediately after the, uh, the 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 shooting that there was communication between him uh, and kelly kumalo and then with tumelo madala that came through during uh, the previous trial um but the way he presented in court this week, um, perhaps quoting a different, perhaps quoting a different statement to where that particular uh, 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 thing was mentioned. Uh, I mean, he should have known better. He should have, uh, in his response, he kept saying, "I'm just paraphrasing." But what are you paraphrasing? Still, he couldn't. He couldn't uh, respond to that until he was pushed to a point where he now had to withdraw. Um, for me, that 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 spoke to ill preparedness. Um, when um, Siporamo Sipili was asked to put his version, he only spoke about how his client was arrested in Tembisa, how his client was tortured. But other than that, he never presented an alternative version. Uh, um, on the issue of SMS, as uh, Nogukanya has pointed out, the, um, the, those SMSs, obviously, they were picked, um, they were uh, selected to show the cracks within the relationship, perhaps, because among them, there could have been other loving SMSs. Uh, but here, uh, these SMSs were meant to show cracks within the relationship. And now you have uh, Zandile Kumalo there, who then picks up that you could be working to a version where you want to then accuse her sister Kelly Kumal of perhaps having orchestrated uh, the, 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 the shooting or perhaps having hired people to come and kill Senzo um, She She is not asked a uh, to respond to a particular version. She is asked about an SMS. And then Zandile there starts arguing that um, my sister would not uh, want to kill Senzo. Even if she wanted to kill Senzo, this is not how she was going to uh, do it. She starts arguing on that point, but that is not a version that is still, uh, that was put to her. Uh, she started arguing on that point. So, and 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 after that, you see Numalo uh, letting go of that. Well, I mean, he can still be forgiven uh, because perhaps he's still not done with his cross-examination. He's still going to come tomorrow and actually tell us um, whether his version is that uh, there were no intruders, that perhaps Longwe uh, was the man who pulled the trigger, or whether it was... Uh, Kelly Kumalo, who might have uh, hired people to come into the house, um, which is uh, perhaps demonstrated through the SMSs that he pointed out. So there is that uh, element of ill-preparedness that I think I am picking up from, from the councils. And uh, the interjection from, uh, from, from uh, Judge Ratam Mufuke, I think, just wraps it up for me. Mm. Nokaya, you have your hand up. I'm going to afford you the opportunity to make your contribution as we wrap up and also maybe uh, what you're looking forward to this coming week um, and your parting shots. 
Komata, I just want to play de- devil's advocate for two seconds there and counter slightly what Sipo was, was saying about the ill-preparedness. Sure, I, um, I do think there was a level of ill-preparedness on the side of council in terms of how they were going to tackle it, especially because they kept looking at each other when Judge Ratamukhatlen was asking about um, what the point of this case actually was. The fact that they had to look to each other to figure out how to answer that question uh, probably points to a level of ill-preparedness on their part. But also on the other side, I mean, I I heard them saying um, in response to why they weren't questioning her to the satisfaction of the judge at least and why they weren't putting uh, counter arguments about or counter versions to the record, um, you know, as part of their defense. One of the responses, and it might have been from um, the the defense lawyer for accused one and two, Sipora Mosapili, who said, well, it's not so much that I'm interested in, um, you know, putting a different version of account to the record. My job here is just to discredit, um, and I think it might have been both Sipora um, Musepile as well as Charles Mnisi saying this to the judge. The purpose of this cross-examination or the line of, of questioning that we've gone with is really just to discredit Zandi Kumalo as a witness and to take her credibility away by asking her, um, you know, putting so much emphasis on um, those small details. What were they wearing? Who came in first? Who came in second? Who had the gun? Who was, are you able to identify? Do you remember who had the gun? Um, do you remember the face structure? Do you remember the appearance? Do you remember the color? Um, you know, and I think from from that response that they gave, that they gave to the judge, my sense was that, um, that their focus was really on, well, if we can catch her on, not being certain about those small small details about remembering um, the exact appearance and the order in which these two intruders came in, what then is she really certain that the po- the person that she's pointing out, including Bongani and Danzi, is being one of the intruders? Well, does that make sense then for it to be Bongani and Danzi if she can't even remember uh, the color, the, the color of the hair, if any hair at all, the current color of a sweater, and so on? So, in their defense, um, as much as they were ill prepared, I think to an extent, there also was in their heads they they had a different. Um, strategy and from what we heard even afterwards uh, Homoto, um, you know as as they huddled up shortly after uh, court adjourned they're sticking to their defense about how they want to discredit Zandi as a credible witness as opposed to being too fascinated about bringing a different um, version of events to to the record so I think it, it, it certainly was a um, a mix of both. And then in terms, as my parting shot, in terms of what I'm looking forward to, um, just as the, the just as Judge Mohotleng was, I don't know, criticizing might be a, a bit of an over-exaggerating, but um, just as he was giving them pointers about how he thinks cross-examination should be, one of the, one of the very first uh, lawyers to stand up, Zandi Lomshololo, Advocate Zandi Lomshololo, was the first to stand up to say, well, no, hang on, you're not, you haven't heard me yet, and you haven't heard my defense yet and you haven't heard me speak so please don't lump me with the rest of um the the other the other three defense lawyers you don't know what i'm coming with uh you know and she has been um one of those uh lawyers in the previous uh trial who's been revered um and and you know the the she, she's been painted as someone who's hard-hitting 
and has her, has her story right, has her story straight, isn't afraid to say what she needs to say and is able to articulate it uh, perhaps a, a bit better than the rest have been able to. So I think for me, at least at the start of the week, I think, um, you know, I'm, I'm hoping to see if she does come with anything better, if she might have refined or sharpened her defense based on the criticism that was meted out by the judge to them on Friday. Um, you know, whether she'll be sharper, she'll be a straight shooter this time around. Uh, you know, for me, at least, I think um, that's what I'm looking forward to uh, as the start, as the week starts, Homoto. That's not Kanya Mutambo. She's been doing an excellent job in the Pretoria High Court covering the Senzo Meiwa trial this week for Eyewitness News. Mpumelelo Zigalala, I'm coming to you also for your parting shots. What are you expecting uh, in the coming week? What, what do you think we should look out for? I, I think I think let me start with this one. In terms of the current witness, which is uh, Uzan Dukuman, I think the legal rep for accused number two should have been the one that would have been um, or, or on the point in terms of asking, were you ever asked to identify this individual before? Are you only identifying him today? Because the court does take cognizance and it does not like people who, have, who are identified on the dock because they're basically sitting ducks. There's nobody I, that, that is there. There's no one that you can be able to compare them to. So I think for, for, for him or to pop holes in the evidence, which would have been to say, well, they may have been intruders. It's not my client, but you have failed to identify that or place my client within that particular space. So on, 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 on that part, I do not think my client should then be included in what has is, is been taken on here. But moving forward, I think let's, let's, let's understand it in this, in this question. From the side of the state, they have a duty of proving beyond reasonable doubt that the individuals that are there are in guilt, the guilt ones. From the side of the defense, they are poking holes at whatever the, the, the state is going to provide. Now, there are two ways of doing it. You can do it in a loose term of poking holes, as they've been saying now, all the time to go, to go and discredit what has been said by the witness and show inconsistencies. But you do it much better if you show those inconsistencies and then provide credible alternatives or evidence that is going to be there. Because what you are then saying is, I'm not providing what we would call a bad denial in law. I'm prov- providing a denial, a denial. And I'm also offering my version to you. Now, in doing that, I'm not going to play my cards in the open in each and every single witness that is there. So I'm going to sit and wait and only counter or dispute evidence which pertains to my client. So if it does not touch my client whatsoever, I'm not going to say anything. I can even stand up and say there are no questions for that witness. If that particular witness has not placed your client within within, within the crime scene or have said that they've done any, any, anything which is wrong, which I think from the side of the presiding officer, that is what the judge is looking for. This is a judge who then says, it, my style of adjudicating this type of matter is that you must be able to convince me with a principal story. If there's no principal story that I'm going to listen to and you're going to provide me with a bad denial, the chances of me find, finding against your client are actually more. So what the judge was doing was giving them sort of creep notes of saying, you know, if you really want to persuade me in these proceedings, make sure that you are able to provide evidence which is going to exonerate your client from the start and don't waste time if you can see that there's nothing that, that is able to counter your client. There's no need to place the whole your whole version into this particular one client because there's these closing arguments which are going to come at the end. That is when you're going to piece, piece in all these pieces of the puzzles together and provide to me a complete picture of how things have, have gone about. So don't rush it. What I would say is that maybe... Let's, let's take each witness as they come along and 
deal with those final details as you move. You may find that after the seventh or even the eighth witness, the enemy start to have a complete picture of how things actually planned about in that particular day. Also, we are going to have a complete picture of the defenses which are available from accused one up, and up until uh, to accused five. And anything which is going to follow after that is going to collaborate those virgins which have been coming in. And at the end, and the closing arguments is the strength of each of those versions, the strength of the version of even of the state. And that's going to be crucial in determining the innocence or the guilt of the party. I'd like to thank you very much, Mpumelelo Zigalala there. He is um, our legal analyst for this week, helping us make sense of the Senzo Miura trial. We do this every Sunday when the trial is in session. When the Senzo Miura trial is in session, we gather here on Above the Law to have a conversation about the week that was, and we throw forward to the week to come. Of course, this coming week, we're expecting uh, Advocate Zutulele Ngumalo, he's the lawyer for the fourth accused, to continue with his cross-examination of Uzandi Kumalo. Um, and then we're also expecting Advocate Zandile Mshololo to rise. She is the lawyer for accused number five, Ufisogu Tenduli. She's going to begin her cross-examination as well. So we're looking forward to hearing that. Uh, tune in to um, EWN Bulletins on 702 and at 947KFM as well as Cape Talk. And visit EWN.co.za also to read our articles. We have Nogukanya Mdambo covering the trial for us this week. And she's been doing a really good job at that. Follow her as well. Um, Kanya, just give us your Twitter handle. Um, okay, I see it now. It's at Kanya under, underscore Mdambo. At Kanya underscore Mdambo. As well as follow uh, at EWN Reporter. Uh, where live tweeting happens. I am Komuto Modise, also a reporter on this trial, and I've been covering this trial as well. My Twitter handle is at Muto underscore Modise. Do yourself a favor, uh, uh, pop onto our comment section here. Um, I think if you can pop onto the comment section on uh, Twitter spaces, that you know how to navigate your way around there. I've put together two uh, links where you can find the podcasted version of the spaces that we have. The podcast is called Above the Law, the Senzo Meiwa Trial. We are on Spotify, we're on Apple Podcasts, and we are on ewn.co.za as well as OmniFM, I believe. And uh, if you do miss an episode or you want to go back and listen to the context or the background of this trial, if you want to listen back to some of the earlier spaces that we had um, where we, we, we were discussing, you know, some interesting bits of this trial. Remember your uh, now disbarred advocate, Malisala. Therefore, if you need any of that background, um, hop on to Above the Law, the Senzo Meiwa trial on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, ew.co.za or Omni F. Um, but for now, that's it from uh, us here uh, at Above the Law, the Sendomewa Child. My name is Kumza Mudise. Thank you so, so much for joining us. I'd like to send a special thank you to Sipo Kekana. He is a SABC online reporter, and he's also been doing a sterling job at covering this trial in the Pretoria High Court. He will continue to cover the trial in the week uh, to come. Um, and yeah, let's all really continue to follow this trial. It is about justice for the Meiwa family. And I think all of us are waiting to just see how the Senzo Meiwa trial 2.0, I should call it, um, will pan out. Also, this evening, this afternoon, it's actually evening from 7 to 9 o'clock, we have Inside Eyewitness News, that is um, the current affairs show on 7.02, where the EWN team wraps up the week that was in terms of all the stories and throws forward to the week to come. 
Nobukanya Mgambo, who's with us today on Above the Law, is hosting the show this evening. So please remember to tune in to Sano 2 between 7 p.m. Um, and 9, and uh, she will be hosting the show this week. Quite a bit has happened this week on the Current Affairs front, and she'll be taking us through that. But for now, thank you so, so much for joining us. Thank you for tuning in. Let's do it again next week, right here on Above the Law, the Senzo Mehua trial at 4 p.m. on Sundays when the trial is in session.